0: Hello and welcome back to the Pilgrim's Podcast. My name's Archie and joining me this week is Mark Lovell, Tom Kirk, Chris Allen, special guest Ben Jacobs. Welcome back to the Pilgrim's Podcast. Before we jump into our pod with Ben Jacobs, Chris, we've got to thank our sponsors,
1: Swat, Who, by the way, average a score of 4.5 out of 5 on Google reviews, including comments from darren j beanie awesome ashton wagstaff got a set of kits from a fiber side team couldn't be happier with a product cheap and good quality arrived quickly would definitely recommend and ellis welsh order a kit for our new six aside team brilliant was thing Don't about go. that but- the best thing about it, Chris, as well, is there's no minimum order
2: quantity. There's no extra cost for any added design elements, and it'll be with you in four to five weeks.
1: And they accept orders not in January. <laughs> they do. They do.
2: And uh, you can go to www.3w's, by the way, for anybody who's the us to doubt, swaz.co.uk for loads of more information.
0: Four to five weeks. I'm dreaming of being in four to five weeks' time, February, with a SWAZ kit with Whitaker on the back.
2: <laughs> yeah with that transfer window firmly shut mate. I think we're oh. uh, I think we all feel the same.
0: Right, onto the pod and many thanks to Swaz. Good evening Ben. It's a, a real treat for you to be with us. Thank you ever so much for your time. How are you doing?
3: Pleasure to be here. Happy New Year to everyone. Looking forward to talking all things Plymouth Argyle.
0: Yeah, you deep in FA
3: Cup uh, viewing action. Well, at the time of recording, I'm just watching the end of the Arsenal-Liverpool game. Of course, it'll be interesting to see who Plymouth get in the third round of the FA Cup as well. So maybe it will be Arsenal or Liverpool. It's nil-nil at the moment. So we're no closer to knowing who goes through there. But a cup run for Plymouth could definitely be something that gets everyone excited and puts the new guy Ian Foster on the map.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had Liverpool a few years back, i say. well. Oh. 2017 a wee while ago now so we've um we've got experience there but it'll be interesting tomorrow night is the uh it's a big draw tom it's been a busy week hasn't it it's been a busy week we've had several episodes on this pod talking about who might be the man the new argyle manager and with about 48 hours before he was unveiled we kind of had an idea it would be in foster it was confirmed late late friday night it came
2: out uh what are your thoughts and feelings um, excited. Um, I think if we had our bingo cards as to what this who this manager might be, I think we all would have picked um a coach, you know, getting their first job, like we've seen at Millwall and, and uh, so several championship clubs now. Their manager um is it's almost their second job from a similar such appointment. Um, so no surprises there. Um I'd not heard of Ian Foster beforehand. I've obviously done my research since. Um seems to have like a very impressive C V. And yeah, I'm I'm excited because I can think I can see some transparency in the process that, you know, there's been a lot of deliberate um, deliberation on on soft skills and how he'll fit into what we're already doing very, very well. So I'm very excited by it, Archie.
0: Mark, there were a lot of names linked, weren't there? Some high profile names. Um it's hard to know how serious that was. Gusapoyo springs to mind, Scott Parker. But however is it really a surprise that we've gone down this route of the head coach, the inexperienced manager? He ticks the boxes.
4: Like like Tom was just saying, he fits he fits the bill in, in most aspects. Um, we're looking for that head coach. Um, I'm excited to to see him get to work on the grass and uh, see if he can, you know, organize our defence and even who knows, God forbid, win an away game in the championship. Yeah. I'm really excited. He 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 spoke well at the presser yesterday, and he would have seen a lot in that game to work on. That's for sure. And uh, you know, we've got to get behind him now. You know, we've really we've got a good appointment. We've got a bloke who wants to wants to take us forward, and uh, let's get behind him.
0: Chris, if you read um, Argyles or Simon Hallett's various uh, press statements over the years or even just recent weeks the clues were all there really weren't they that we weren't going to go down a Gus Poyot Scott Parker route this was where Argyle's interest was
1: yeah I mean and I try that's why I've got Ben's here because I try and ignore anything other than club statements because it's been another week of relentlessly scrolling on Twitter <laughs> um i I, I did say in the week at one point, I might just put out there that I think Gus Honeyburn is going to be the new manager of Plymouth, R-Gall, just to see if someone picked it up. Oh, no, bloody rabbits, never like them. Like It's so, there's so much noise out there. I think all we can focus on is everything that's been said. It fits the mold of what we've been trying to achieve over the last three or four years, where it is a progressive appointment of a coach. And he started a day or so ago. That's Mm. pretty much all most of us know, right? And I'm, for one, I'm excited.
0: He was described by our chairman, Simon Haller, as the perfect candidate. And he said he's looking forward to him developing our exciting and dynamic young squad, and that he's got a great experience of developing young football players. Our director of football, Neil Duesnip, then went on to say he's got an incredible pedigree as a coach. Ben it seems like he's got the perfect kind of CV to fit that requirement, doesn't it? I know, easy to say after the event, but his time with the FA in particular makes him a really, really interesting candidate for our goal.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. By coaching standards, he's still young. He's worked in a diverse array of places, most recently as Steven Gerrard's number two. That was a very difficult spell, but he was brought in at Al-Itifak in Saudi Arabia to help modernise the football club. And the hire there was less about supporting Gerard necessarily in a touchline sense and more about connecting the football club in terms of its data and sports science and talent spotting and seeing who ultimately is available. And if you kind of look at Plymouth, it is a relatively young squad and they've brought in some opportunistic loans as well. So when you've got a coach that prior to his time in the Middle East was a under-17, under-18, under-19, under-20 coach and has worked in men and women's football, not only do you get a lot of perspectives, but by being part of that FA system and having a spell as well at Portsmouth as well, you've got this nice blend whereby... He's clearly got a keen eye for talent. He's clearly very open-door orientated. He's good with young players. And he's got those sort of relationships whereby if the right loan opportunity comes around to get a certain talent, if a transfer is available from a big club with a player going down that kind of needs refreshing given another opportunity, lower down the pyramid. He's the kind of manager that can convince these players maybe under the age of 25, because in many cases, especially if they're English, he will have worked with them. And I think that when Plymouth look at this appointment, they see it hopefully as long-term. They see it as very patient. And in Foster, they feel like there's someone that's really going to be very strong in one-on-one with that eye for talent, with that eye for data. And when you add all of that up, it should lead to strong foundations. And ultimately, the paradox or the irony of saying all of that is that Plymouth have to stay up. And you don't want to bring someone in that you're half thinking might be quite good to get us up next season or might be quite good to stabilise us. So the first aim will be urgent. And when you make this kind of lesser known, with due respect to him, appointment, comparative Mm -hmm. to some of the other candidates, you have to make sure, for example, you set the tone in a big game against Huddersfield, you don't get sucked into a relegation battle. Because if you can get to the summer and things are looking positive, that's when he'll have the time and space and energy to really move forwards. But obviously, if you get like a Rooney times Birmingham City style scenario where you fall down a few places, then immediately you've lost a bit of the fan base, you've lost a bit of the faith. So there's sort of simultaneously this desire to let him do his thing, which will take time, but also this inevitable pressure of just being a manager in the championship when you also consider Plymouth's current position. They've got a little bit of breathing space, but not enough that there won't be panic Mm. or question marks if they can't move further away from the relegation zone and quickly. So Huddersfield, which I think is his league debut, becomes a really big game to kick things off.
0: Yeah, it does. And it's interesting. You mentioned our fans. I think the response has been largely positive. I think there's been a few question marks. And I, it's just a theory of mine. I feel if we had got the current England under-20 manager, we'd all be, you know, champagne bottles are open. We're over the moon. I think the Saudi, Saudi six months takes a bit of the shine off it for some people. They're wondering, you know... Why has he gone there, possibly? He's not the most romantic of football destinations. I mean, why has he only lasted six months over there? Is it is it the fact that Argyle such a huge opportunity for him, or are things turned a bit south? I've just seen you've released an article about Jordan Henderson potentially looking for a route back home.
3: Yeah, what's the story there? No, I mean, this was a big surprise to Al-Itifak. They didn't see it coming. I think Henderson's its own beast because he's got to think about the Euros and Al-Itifak are not doing well. I don't think a lot of that can be pinned on Foster because as I said a moment ago, his hire was more about the bigger picture. So yes, it required being a number two and everything that comes with that. But the challenge with Al-Itifak is that contrary to a lot of reports, they don't have these big budgets. Henderson is not on this reported 700,000 a week. It's not even half that. So coming in, it needs two, three, four windows and budgets which come from the Ministry of Sport and their seasonal budgets. So once you've spent it, you've got to wait effectively until the next summer. So it's been really difficult for Alitifat to find goals and also move in the market. And this January, you'll see them make some local signings, but nothing much more. They put all of their eggs in the sort of Henderson basket, which might backfire if he does end up leaving in this window. And having got that flagship name, They've been lacking in a bit of talent around him. And also they've had some bad luck with injuries. Damari Gray, the ex-Everton player, looked like a good signing, but they've had to use him as a lead striker, and that's not his favoured position. Mm. He's not really that kind of goal scorer. So Foster and Gerrard struggled, but I think Foster will escape a lot of the scrutiny and criticism. And then the reason for him leaving was largely just down to Plymouth. So there was a release clause within the contract for something in the region of 125,000 pounds, and when a formal inquiry was made by Plymouth to Alitifac, the response formally was you'll have to pay the full release clause. But as long as you pay the full release clause, then we have no problem with him leaving because it's an opportunity to go from a number two to a number one. And ultimately that's the motivation for Foster. So I don't think he leaves particularly tarnished, but this wasn't about Itifact feeling it wasn't working and Mm. being willing to let him leave. This was Plymouth being able to trigger a release clause or potentially, obviously, negotiate the same number in the release clause but use a slightly different structure to play it. And um, Once the clubs agreed on that and gave permission to speak, there was nothing really Itifat can do. So this is a Plymouth-driven move. Rather than Al Itifat being glad to see the back of him, they really right. weren't planning or expecting it. And this is why they've not yet appointed another number two because they're now and only now going to have to search the markets to try and find his replacement. And, and just on
1: that, Archie, I don't know whether you must have a different Twitter feed to me. Um, when you say most of the fans are positive, I mean just generally, actually. <laughs> um, but there's a big sway of people who are holding personally accountable for results in a league they know nothing about. All of a sudden, someone they've never heard of. Well, what's he going to do? They're not doing very well. Um, but what I do think you've said is really interesting is what you've described about his role there is very much the philosophy of our football club. It's about more than the results on the picture what matter. But over the last four years, we've grown to support a club that is focused on the local community, that is focused on infrastructure, that is focused on the total picture, that's had quite a mature model with a director of football, not a manager. So I find that really reassuring the reason he went there is very similar to what we will expect in addition to on the grass, which is the new word of the week. right?
3: Yeah, and I think the other thing to say is that think about why he left for Saudi Arabia. Yes, the money, we definitely shouldn't be naive about that. But the point is, in Saudi Arabia, you've got very experienced recruiters that are westernised and league-focused. And when he was allocated, he was put forwards by some of those names. And as a result, we're not talking about the Saudi side taking a risk and employing him. We're talking about Steven Gerrard and the wider club and deal makers, because it all extends from Alitifat the club, to the Ministry of Sport, realising that he was one of the names that could move the league and club forwards. So that tells you that the attributes that he has were headhunted for Saudi Arabia, and then again, headhunted by Plymouth, basically in the space of about seven and a half months which means that the things he brings away from just managing are highly important. To give you an example, Jordan Henderson was unhappy about the gym and the general sports science at the football club. And Foster was the person that effectively helped Henderson build a more world-class gym. And it happened quickly and made sure that nutrition at the club was improved. So the small details are going to be really important. And Foster, because he's come through the FA system... Is obviously good with the young players, is obviously got quite a keen eye for recruitment. He likes to challenge players. So you might see one or two that are more versatile within the Fulham squad played in a slightly different role or position. He likes to empower leadership amongst younger players and he likes to focus on the off field. So I think the training will be very, I wouldn't say heavily focused because You have to kick a ball in training. You have to plan for the game. You have to be a tactician. But I think there'll be a strong emphasis in, for example, a pre-season and an international break on things like gym work and nutrition and empowering players to kind of make their own minds up and be a bit more risk-reward. And that's all sort of within his locker. So I would expect a fair amount of one-on-one time and I would expect a sort of boldness within the selection to give young players that he believes in opportunities, because he's also very much a believer in players learning on the job. He's not really a fan. And maybe this is just because of where he's worked. He's dealt with young players that have perhaps been sent on loan. Then they've come to international youth setups, and he's not felt they've played enough game time. He's gone to al where there's a lot of younger or developing Saudi players that might not, with respect, be quite up to the scratch of a Henderson, a Dembele, or a Gray, all of which are at the club. But again, it's thrown straight into the deep end. So this is quite an interesting job because then you come at championship level and you see the reality of what Plymouth need. And he's almost got a big choice to make. Does he continue that philosophy, which does mean don't loan a young player out, give them a chance, keep them in the squad. Also, in addition, get a loan in and they might be a young player and throw them in the deep end. Or is this the first time in his career where the roles are reversed? And he's not in a squad where he can chop and change and try without too much punishment or repercussions, which is Alitifak, or where he has to pick young because that's just the nature of the age group where he's working with. So that's the big question mark for me and the most interesting thing about this appointment because if he sticks to his philosophy, you're going to see a very, very young selection and you're going to give a lot of players that are rough-edged with high potential minutes and opportunities. But maybe the reality of the championship means that he does have to change his approach slightly
0: uh tom i mean that's uh, in a nutshell that is us isn't it agar we buy we buy young we buy potential and hope it can develop with us as a team and as an individual asset i mean looking at foster's foster's um cv jewel in the crown so to say is that time with the fa right six and a half years which is really impressive and it's interesting that we've transitioned to this head coach model at Argyle. I don't believe Schumacher was a head coach. I've tried to research on the matter. It, I didn't really find anything in truth. I believe he was classified as a manager. So we've transitioned away from a manager to head coach with this appointment. It seems to me that Foster would have been really attractive to Argyle considering that he was essentially, he was a head coach at various levels in England set up and an assistant coach in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it, it, it's... Again, easy to say after the after the event, he seems to tick a lot of boxes there.
2: Mm, mm. I'm doing a lot of scribbling because I'm doing a lot of learning on the job. Actually, Ben's come with a lot of detail, Didn't, and so some of this is fairly fresh to me. But I've circled a few things about Foster, which I thought were really interesting. One of them was his age, forty-seven. I think when we went out for Ryan Lowe, it was young, forward-thinking manager. Um. Apologies to Chris on the call, but I'm not sure 47 fits that brief. So I kind of, uh, I I think this is a good appointment because I think there's a few ways this could go, isn't it, where I, I suppose what our fear is he does well, copy and paste, same thing happens again, lazy championship club, let's say Blackburn, look at him next year when we're seventh or whatever and take him and we just repeat the process. I think Foster's got the potential to pace, to become the director of football on the basis that Ben has said that his role at Etifac Atif- is actually a lot of things that we'd associate with off the, off the grass. But his immediate brief is on the grass. What we've done is we've hired someone who's probably going to fit the um, brief of, look, this is your mandate, this is what we're doing well. We're now in a position where we can probably ask that of our candidates when, when they apply, say, look, this is what you're doing. I think when we're down in League Two, we might have just needed to get whatever we could get. And like I, like you say there, Archie, I think Lowe and Schumacher behave like managers, whether they were given the title or not. Um, I'm thinking of Schumacher's hires, your Mark Hughes's and the, and, the, and and Kavanaugh's. They're mates of his. And I, I look, they went to Stoke. I'm not convinced Mark Hughes would have ever been offered the job if he wanted to stay. So what I would see with Foster is that he's coming in, he's going to be 47. And we want to keep this pretty fluid. We want to keep a fluid structure, that's going to thrive, but ultimately it's the it's the club that does well. So if we succeed in the future, if somebody wants to associate that with Foster or whoever, and they take them, that's fine. But then he's put a lot of value in the infrastructure and the goodwill that's, that we don't kind of see. And Ben, you're kind of alluding to that point with Steven Gerrard's the name there, um, and the results aren't going too well, but Foster was hired for what I would say was a very... Um, Master of all trades, that's not a dig at him, more the fact he had a lot on his plate, but he was asked to do quite a lot by the sound of it to modernize the football club in an instant.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the nature of the job as well because it's a smaller club, so you're coming in and it's all hands on deck, but he was absolutely asked to simultaneously sort of be a senior team number two and at the same time be a strategic, bigger pitcher guy. And this allowed him to have a lot of freedom and also contribute significantly in the market. So he had a big say within the recruitment. And I think Gerard almost delegated at times to him in terms of that relationship between management team and ownership, which allowed him again to get experience in much more of a strategic way as a kind of recruitment consultant within the bigger picture at Alitifax. So that could come in useful at Argyle. The other thing, which is quite intriguing, is just formation as well, because Stephen Gerrard has experimented with a range of different formations at ITIFAC, of which Foster's been an advocate. One of them is a back three and a three four three. And when fit, we saw Dembele leading that line. But as I said before, Gray kind of had to contribute and get involved. But we've also seen more. Of a kind of four-one, four-one from Ittifac as well. And then my understanding is that Foster would actually prefer a 4-2-3-1. So I've sort of seen, you guys will obviously know more than me, but from what I've seen of Argyle this season, yes, they kind of varied their formations, but the most common one anyway that I've seen is more of a kind of three, four, two, one. So the first kind of question I would be asking Foster is whether he's going to stick with a back three or whether he's going to revert to a back four to try and fix the defensive woes. And we might well get a clue in that first game that he has against Huddersfield.
2: There's there's a lot to that, um, Ben. That's historically been the formation since the change from Derek Adams to Ryan Lowe. Um, This year in the Championship, they made a bit of a dart, a bit of a beeline for a four at the back although the recruitment in the summer didn't seem to be um, based around that. um, Suddenly, with uh, Schumacher going out the door, I'm oversimplifying this, but Jusnip's gone um, very much back to a back three, which certainly uh, suits the central defensive quality that we've got. Um, I make the point of why I like the appointment, because, again, I can see a world where Foster goes upstairs and there's a lot of infrastructure work that he get involved in. But equally, I mean, you know, we've got we want to stay in the division, and he's needs to backfill the skills that we're short of on the moment, which is people to run the drills on the grass and get the results. Um, so I'm not, down, I'm not down. I'm not downplaying that. But equally, you, yeah, you're right. He's going to have to. He's he's got a week to get 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 his uh, fingernails into the into the detail. Sorry, Chris. Well,
1: he it can't do any worse either. Like we, we are catastrophically it. terrible at the back. So if he's got any experience of drilling a back two, three, four, five, twelve, 12, it's going to be helpful because, you know, we've joked about it, that it really feels like we don't really have a plan. Like Tom, you've hinted at it there, that the, the, the players often don't fit the formation. We played the worst team in the league yesterday and still gifted them chances. So I think there's a certain amount of it, which is whatever he brings, if he is a coach, with experience in that area it can only even if it stays the same that's not his fault right so i think there's a lot of positives there one thing i'm interested in though i think what could be interesting about his most recent appointment is almost by definition at that international level even if it's youth is that you have a talented squad right generally the best available in the country at that age i'm not sure we're quite that at the moment and if we're not careful it might be depleted even further have you got any sense of you know i mean your your answer earlier seemed to be he'll try youth but has he had any challenging times because he's normally got a great squad to pick from right the best in the country
3: yeah and i think that's the big question mark so if we're wondering how he'll take to argyle the key thing is whether he has to adapt to the championship or whether the squad adapts to him and at the moment when you look at the argyle squad There is that youth, but he may turn around depending on the first few results or how the end of this season goes and suddenly say he feels that they need a bit more experience or they need to go in a different kind of way because you can get out of the championship in many ways. And I'm not saying that that's what Argyle are thinking about this season, but naturally let's say Argyle stay up, finish 14th or somewhere in that ballpark the following season the target is probably going to be top half. And as soon as you're pushing for top half in the championship, you're always going to be in and around the playoffs. So you can never rule out relegation in the championship and you can never rule out promotion. So he's going to learn a lot from the second half of this season to work out whether his own philosophy is going to work or whether he's actually going to have to adapt to the championship. And I think that that's the only question mark surrounding him because as you rightly say, when you look at the calibre on his CV, It ticks strategic boxes, but strategy means nothing if you can't keep a clean sheet and if you can't string a couple of wins together to the point where you fall out of the division. And whereas I take the point that he might have skill set to move upstairs or coexist as a kind of manager who has a very detailed role within the recruitment, ultimately you can't spread the focus too thin. So Mm. he's manager and as manager, he has to first and foremost, keep them in the division. And if he fails to keep them in the division, then regardless of any long-term strategy, there is going to be a question mark. And Argyle fans will naturally say, even if they pin some of it on the first half of the season, when he joined, we were not in a relegation position. And were they to go down in a doomsday scenario, obviously he's left them in a worse place. So he has to focus on the second half of the season because there's some really, I think, crucial Tenure defining games. And it's a shame, really, because if this was day one of the season and he had a three month bedding in period, I'd be relatively confident that he would have an incredibly integral role to make some permanent and loan signings that were very much his kind of players. And then from there, you would feel that there's building blocks. And he will play a very attractive style of football that can be quite direct and quite aggressive at times. So I don't see them sitting back. But when you're conceding goals and you don't sit back, then you are susceptible. So Huddersfield is obviously going to be very important. I think that they then have a string of away games a few weeks later that look quite tough on paper. I haven't watched much Argyle this season, but I saw the home win over Plymouth. And I might be wrong on this. But Sorry, I saw Plymouth's home win over Sunderland, and I might be wrong on this, but I feel like they played a 4-3-3 in that game. They kept a clean sheet. And they look pretty good to me. So then they go away at Sunderland in a few weeks' time. And again, are you going to set yourself up defensively and play different to your philosophy because you feel like it's a tough away game? Or are you going to realise you've beaten a side like that once and go and have a go? And I think that Foster's mentality is to have a go, but he needs to learn how to get the best out of these players very quickly There's only three weeks of the window left, so he won't have much input into this window because it was such a quick appointment. So there's a lot of big tactical decisions to be made, and that is the paradox in all of this. He can't think about the bigger picture. He can't think about youth. He can't think about recruitment. He can't think about fixing all the problems. He just has to think about getting enough points in the next five, six games so Argyle are moving up, not down. Otherwise, he's going to close the season and be under all-manager as all managers would be, under all manner of pressure. And in that back half of the season, I had a little look before um, we came on air for this podcast. Uh, they've still got to play Ipswich. They've still got to play Borough. They've still got to go and play at home, I think, to Leicester. Um, mm-hmm. There's not easy games. So if suddenly you fall into that relegation battle, uh, there'll be panic and there'll be question marks. So it, it really does have to just... Get an early few results to sort of calm everything down, and maybe that impact in some of the other areas that you've alluded to, um, which is why he's been hired, can come during the summer period. But the summer period when planning will mean nothing if they're not in the division.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That t- that experience with England seems especially kind of relevant now, doesn't it? Because there, where he had really good success, especially with, was it with the under nineteens. Yeah, under nineteens, winning the Euros in twenty twenty two. I mean, he's used to that kind of purely results-based football. I mean, obviously, he's looking to develop a set of players there, but as in he's not thinking about transfers or a five-year plan. It's very much, you know, develop this crop of players and pass on to the next um, bracket, if you like. That, that that interests me, his England time, especially because he did really, really well, didn't he? He got hired under Steve Cooper, and I think was the out-of-possession uh, coach. a slightly better name for it, but it was kind of, that was his role in the under-17s and moved up. Of course, with the under-17s, he won the World Cup, didn't he, with Phil Foden and mm-hmm. such. Uh, I think it was in India, that one. I can't quite remember. But he, he did really well. And, Tom, you'll be happy to know that when England won the Euros under his, um, as it, when he was a coach, 25% of their goals came from corners. Music to your ears, is that not? Oh, absolutely. Ben, 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 bit of context. We cannot score or defend the corner. <laughs> no, no, no. Either um... end is a huge issue.
2: We we're talking about this in the last couple of years. Um Argyle have been very good at being um uh few n- not spectacular, but few weaknesses and the sum of all uh we've generally been the better of some of our parts. And I'm I'm going back to the League Two season and, and the two good seasons in League One. You never saw an Argyle player at the top of the Optus stats, Ben, or on top of the goal scoring charts. We're probably only really reliant on the goalkeeper at times. Um this year. Um, that's not the case. We've come up, we've had to work a bit to retain a lot of the squad that we had in League One. So actually what we've got this season is a collage of people doing really, really well and people doing really, really badly. Um, So when Simon Hallett, who's very good at identifying a brief, um, calls it the perfect appointment, which is big words, Archie, isn't it? Stick his neck on the line. I think he's possibly thinking that Ian Foster picks all of these things off and the immediate work yeah like you say is we're we're very poor out of possession our open play xg Ben this year is nearly two goals a game on average on average that is mm-hmm. um and yeah let set pieces are um uh, they're, they're a caricature of themselves honestly it, it would be better just giving the ball back to the goalkeeper um okay. so when i see that ian Foster, who again, if you from an international background where you're not involved in recruitment, what you're given is you're given players and you're asked to make them better. And actually, like you say, yes, you get the best ones available. But the FA at all age groups for the decade before that were pretty poor at doing that, despite mm. having pretty good talent. So I'm um, mm. certain he's been picked out on development. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ben, um, he's his immediate um, priorities are going to be improving his out of possession, shoring up that defence, maybe constructing something from set pieces, which and I'm starting with the England manager, Gareth Southgate. where well, what we're seeing at the top table now, often people complain about it because actually they're saying that it's too negative or he's got the handbrake on or whatever. Mm. Um, we could do with the handbrake on a bit, actually.
3: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And I think that the other thing I just wanted to add to that is when Argyle think that he is the perfect appointment, And when you outline the England time and all of the youth and all of the football coaching, basically, that's one aspect. But I think if you dig a little bit deeper into why he's the perfect appointment, it actually comes more in the years immediately after his playing career. So he retired after a spell with Kidderminster Harriers. He played for Hereford and Chester. And I think he started his career as like a youth scholar at Liverpool as well. But then he left football and he went into teaching. And he worked for the best part, I think, of two years at Kidderminster College. And that involved mentoring and teaching and lesson plans and HR and administrative tasks. And then he moved into sports therapy, which again is nowhere close to being a manager at this point. And that involved courses, it involved educating professional players on injury prevention, it involved data analysis. And then beyond that, he moved over to Ireland and started his managerial career, I think in about 2008. But at the team that he was at, Galway United, it was small, and he'd climbed up to be manager, I think he stayed for about a year. And that role required everything from player mentoring and coaching and management all the way through to media because they didn't have that kind of infrastructure. So you've got someone that's media trained, that is a sports therapist, that is a teacher, that is an ex-player, that is a recruitment expert, that is a youth coach, and now is a manager, and has worked in Saudi for a different perspective where he had a lot of control, has worked in the women's game. So there's not many more diverse CVs than that. And again, the key question is how can you take all of these Slightly left field aspects and qualifications. How many managers out there are trained in injury prevention directly, as opposed to what they've learned on the job or learned on data or has been relayed to them by their medical team? How many managers have had a history teaching in college for a couple of years? And it makes him very grounded, it makes him very open minded, and it gives him an industry perspective and a non industry perspective. So he needs to add all of that together. And if it goes right, it's going to be a unique and, as has been described, pretty perfect appointment. But I come back to what I said before. Can you, mid-season, take all of that and dive straight into the championship with no experience at this level? Or will the championship do what it did to Rooney and win that first round, if you like, in the ring? And will he have to adapt? And how long will it take him to adapt? And will he almost have to stay on the ropes a little bit and our guy will be on the ropes a little bit until you get to summer 2024, and then his true impact be told. So I feel like fans are going to have to be patient because it may not all go smoothly to begin with, but there are all of the right attributes to suggest that he could be a very shrewd appointment. Well,
1: Just on that, Huddersfield is a huge game, but also completely inconsequential because he's only had a week. And um, if you look at Sheffield Wednesday, appointed a do manager that of high caliber, and their first few results were really not good, and now they're by all measures playing much better. And I think, again, for those of us that follow the club so closely, the gut feel actually is that whatever he does would not—you know—it would have to be catastrophic for him to not be here in the summer, mm. because there is always a long-term vision. Um, so I do think that that was probably been a part of the interview with him, which is. We, obviously we want to stay in the league, but we're not we, they could have easily gone and appointed like Neil warnock is in the stands every week if they wanted to go down the route of just keep us in the division, change the philosophy, get a one 0 win and kick the ball in the sea that option was there, so I think they probably told him that as well like it's a yeah. high pressure environment, but we are, we do want someone for the long
0: term yeah chris it's it's interesting you pick that pick up on that because it's very much it feels like a evolution is not it? it feels like a next step in the process rather than ripping up what we've done for the last four years and starting again when you say chris that that's the cut it, it, it it's as close to schumacher as it can possibly be, be in terms of that style of coach having said that <laughs> ben's listed off his cv there and it's really impressive it must have been some heck of an interview imagine delivering all of that when you've got that experience and you're only whatever he is 47 and you're only an assistant manager at the or well, he was, you know, that's I didn't, yeah, incredible. I was very much ready to go in this podcast to go down. He's a well rounded head coach, but he's a w- well rounded uh, football human being. It seems like we've got quite quite an acquisition. Um, but yeah, again, referring to another one of Simon Hallett's uh, statements, he went on record to say we've made great strides over the last few years, in ensuring that we have an organization and a football philosophy that can withstand change in personnel. And Tom, I feel that is crucial. And we'll see, I mean, the proof will be in the pudding, right? If we can withstand this transition from Schumacher to Foster. But it feels, uh, so far, Argyle are walking the the walk and talking the talk, aren't they? They're doing what they've said they will do and got someone that will continue on that pathway.
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, look, we know the models that have been successful where the clubs are sort of punching above their weight. You you know, bingo card time, but Brighton, Bournemouth. Brentford, et cetera. You kind of have to dilute the manager's role a little because you do want to be, you don't want to be in this situation again where you're having to replace so many people. I'm not convinced that it, the, the the three coaches will be just three mates of Ian Foster, by the way. I'm not saying he won't have an input, but I think they'll be quite open, possibly at the brief, and say, this is the job. Anybody who wants the Argo manager's job, please apply. Bear in mind, we will recruit your number, we will re- recruit your replacement below you. I'd imagine we will see that. Um yeah, look, it's a it's a it's a model we've been very successful with. We've lost the manager we've got at the moment, and there's a time to um assert our bargaining power archie in there uh, and say what we want because you know we're our, our stocks in a really good place. And I think, you know, I come back to that word perfect, Simon has said. I think we've been able to say what we want and get really, really good candidates. He so used the word perfect. I don't believe um not being able to keep us in the division isn't part of a brief that's defined as perfect, I might mm-hmm. add. Um, so yeah, look. The, the irony of it is, uh, it, it's it's got, um, it's got room for Ian Foster to go upstairs. It's got room for him to do really, really well and possibly be recruited by another club and then replaced again. I mean, he looks like a football manager, Regen, um, and he's named like one. And mm-hmm. you know, we might just repeat the process again in two years. Whoever knows? And he might have a million pound release clause in there. It might even be something as good as that. It, for, for for Simon to use the word perfect gives me a, a lot of a lot of confidence and i can see why it makes sense like ben says that the 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 90 of the crowd at plymouth argyle are interested in are we going to stay in the division and are we going to have more fun days like this next year um it's got to have been part of the brief so um you know yes we can look at that wide cv and ben thank you for listing that off i'm not surprised we're moving further away from ex-footballers because i think the the industry's slowly coming around that just because what you did on the uh, pitch has very little impact other than possibly commanding the respect of your peers in a dressing room um that's possibly the only sort of merit i can still see in it um Mm. yeah really 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 excited archie we've done very very well um there's few things on the pitch that we don't like what we're seeing at the moment but um i've no reason to doubt the team behind the recruitment to this, Rob. Uh, ben, I mean, I
0: mentioned it briefly. I was quite polite. <laughs> I put it across that the reaction from the fans. Some of it's been a bit. It's been a bit mixed. I mean, I say a bit because it's, it's you know a hundred people on Twitter. We get fifteen thousand <laughs> every every week at, at home park. So I'm aware to keep it put it in a context. Um, essentially, I think the, some fans are funny difficult to acclimatise the idea of having a head coach working under or with, in tandem with, a director of football, which is new for us. We've had a director of football for four years, but never head coach and director of football. So it's much more of a kind of team, team effort, if you like. Even though you've listed that he will be able to do everything it seems whether he's a physio doing the media or working upstairs working on the grass it seems like he'll be able to work in tandem with the director of football and work as a part of a larger organization such as the FA.
3: Yeah and I think also in modern football you need that collaboration and it's very sensible for the club because if you give a manager too much freedom and therefore the club becomes contingent on their philosophy they're harder to replace. And if it works out, they might be poached. And if it doesn't work out, you might have to get rid of him. At -hmm. the other extreme, if you allow the manager a job remit that is only football-focused, then you don't have that synergy between departments. So it doesn't really matter what the title is. You just need someone in modern football now that is recruitment-savvy, that's willing to collaborate, that's willing to do more than just manage players and try and get results and you need the right personality. So at interviews now, clubs are not looking only on CV. They're looking for the right personality fit and the right strategic fit. And sometimes yeah. this is why I think it doesn't always work because when you're looking from that broad, what you often get, I think anyway, is someone that interviews well Because to be a strategic fit, to be a personality fit, you're going to be liked, you're going to speak well, you're going to say all the right things. And then sometimes you come in and do all the right things, and sometimes the job actually isn't right for you, but you just interviewed well. And that's a different kind of challenge now for clubs interviewing compared to when they went with ex-players, they went with known names, and that was the opposite. You felt like you knew what you were getting because you'd seen them do it elsewhere, but were they right for your club? And now people are employing more, I think, across the industry what's right for their club, but sometimes with a bit less experience and a bit less proof, and eventually you need to be in the position where you get results. So I think understanding a club and its culture and its fan base and its constraints and its budgets are all really important. But in this case, Foster has to learn championship. And that, unfortunately for him, is the thing that the fans will see first. So that, I think, is why maybe there's some division. And then on top of that, it's the kind of club that's lost a few players or may lose a few players. So he has to come into a January window and immediately show those recruitment skills. I believe that there was a meeting earlier today on the recruitment side. I think I'm right in saying that Finna has gone back to Aston Villa. There's obviously huge speculation about Luke Kundal potentially going back to Wolves and then maybe being sold on. It's very possible, I think, that Macaulay Gillespie goes in this window. There's certainly some interest, I'm told, by one or two clubs, including Charlton Athletics. So who's to say that the squad size isn't smaller or that they have to replace one or two people? And as a result, you've got three weeks to start the job, play your first game, learn the culture, bond with the fan base, develop a relationship with your existing players, decide between back three, back four and any changes, make some internal marks for things that you want, because there'll always be that hold all of these meetings, get your head around being a senior manager and make maybe two or three signings all potentially in the space of the next three weeks. So I don't think he's going to get much sleep. And I think that's Mm -hmm. even more evidence why he really needs to be judged summer onwards. And as long mm. as they don't get sucked back those six, seven points into any kind of relegation battle, whether they finish, let's say, 18th or so, I think where they are now, or 10th, or three off the playoffs, or one off the relegation zone, I think as long as there's that progress, and by progress, I don't just mean on the field, but recruitment plans for the summer, bonding, internally liked, best practices. Um Unity, all the things that maybe the fans don't see uh, as long as they're moving in the right direction, then I think his real impact is much more likely to come after the summer heading into next season
0: uh mark the just to wrap up that that discussion and that actually this part of the pod, the idea of having one it being a one man show is i mean it's ludicrous really to to answer those. People, those fans on Twitter and in the stands, possibly, you know, it's obviously it's less of a risk. Of course, they can move on and get poached, like Schumacher did, or we can get rid of them. uh, But the idea is that the show can go on; Argyle can keep moving forward. So, not putting so much stock on that one individual seems to be the method Argyle are uh, employing here. Having said that, having having said that, we've employed a very impressive individual. (laughs) That's not to diminish Foster.
4: Yeah, this is uh, English football or British football moving into the modern way of doing things. This has been done for decades in the European game. And we're just about seeing the light here that, uh, you know, um, we're not reliant on on a coach being being the manager as well and having you know contacts all around the country scouts you know doing a lot of you know that's a real burnout uh, thing in the modern game so we're doing things uh, properly we've got a great new opportunity now with Ian Foster to move forward and uh, let's uh, let's wish him all the best interestingly he's born in the same town as uh, Neil Juicenip. I don't know whether that was a factor yeah in his appointment, but they're both from Whiston on Merseyside. Who knew?
0: There you go. A little nugget, a little (laughs) nugget of information to uh, wrap up this part of the pod. Uh, Ben, thank you ever so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, I've I've certainly uh, increased my knowledge on our new manager or head coach, I should say. Uh,
3: Exciting times ahead. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We have the debate about the difference between the two and then we use the terms interchangeably without even thinking about it. And I sometimes throw Boss in there as well. I've been calling him Argyle Boss just to sort of hedge my bets a little bit. But pleasure coming on. Happy New Year to everyone and good luck to Argyle in the second half of the season. And also, let's hope you get a big FA Cup draw.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Anyone? Mark, who would you like at home or away?
4: Um, Leeds United at home.
2: Tom? Mate, still at home. We're going all the way, mate. (laughs) Chris?
4: I don't care. (laughs) It's all about
0: the league. (laughs) Must be time for a break. Back in a bit. (laughs) All right, guys. Welcome back to part two. Moving on to the FA Cup. uh, 3-1 against Sutton. Is there anything at all we want to say about that game?
2: Um oof well, it, it wasn't a good performance um but these things happen in the FA Cup. I kind of think if we'd gone to a Premier League side and given them a game, would we have cared that the their fans would have been disillusioned with how their team had played? um I'm trying to not think about it, it wasn't a good performance, archie if they were if if that if that was a league match, obviously you wouldn't have such a chasm of quality, but that wouldn't be an acceptable level of input. But maybe, maybe took it for granted um, because they were so on top in the first 15 minutes. But yeah, there was a there was a lot of misplaced passes. We defended badly. We weren't seemingly what the bit I'm struggling to get my head round is, and this and this is why we're in a bit of a mess with our defense, is the quality of defense we play doesn't it does impact our attack. We've seen that in the league form. But we're we're the worst team in our division defensively. We've we've struggled against every side that we've played um with with what they've thrown at us, and we didn't look comfortable again yesterday. That was my real concern is I just think the back line have completely lost their confidence. I think you know that's a lot to do with it, whether they're not good enough. I don't know that's a bit extreme to suggest that Dan Scars suddenly not league two standard um but there's there's really not a lot of confidence in there, there, w- there was, I would go as far in the first half when the crosses from Sutton came in the box. There was no defending at all of no complete pinball um, and something, something, for, something for Ian Foster to get his teeth
1: into right away so we have ESPN over here right mm-hmm. and obviously their journalists will be well researched but they made that point you know you can see why this team is having defensive struggles that's the third time in 15 minutes they've struggled to clear their line so I know that's a professional but still a relatively not somebody who's watched every game. Um, the other thing, though, there's a couple of other things. One is, and I'm, I'm ready for the shout of tin Pot, but it isn't that long ago we would have been in the away end saying heroic performance, but in the end, quality told. Like, I think that's how a lot of these games go. They are just messy, but the better team wins, and it's good that we're on the good side of that. Um, also, two teams without a manager. Like yep. That can't help helped the general hmm. blowing nature of the game. I, it was. I think we need to look at the result.
0: Yeah, is there something to be said that it's just an odd game? We we're twenty percent off it. They raised their game by twenty percent. Result is a pretty dull affair, and we get the job done. I,
1: I think there is. But what is interesting? Another couple of things that allegedly I think are interesting. One is, if after the game they ran the highlights. And if you just watch the highlights, you'd think that we absolutely dominated. Mm. They had one other chance. We had about four. So there's a weird world in which the experience of the whole game made it feel worse than it was. You so could have won about six-one. Um, and I've forgotten the second one, so carry on. <laughs> Can I just uh, say, in you said about
2: Timpot, I kind of see your point, albeit even when we were where Sutton were, you know, we were a club with 10,000 supporters. We shouldn't have been there. We're not Sutton United. But um, I went to the game yesterday. Um, my favorite away fan base this season by some distance. Absolute quality fans. Obviously, look, there's no league rivalry, so it makes it a little easier. But um three, four hundred guys and girls who love their football club, really made a day out of it, knew they were gonna lose, came up to a couple of us came up to us at the end, said, Well done. They were very happy with their performance, want to use it and take it. Um to build on so they can survive in League Two. Um, Shared a cab up to the ground with a couple of them. Uh, You know, a a small sample, you know, maybe 5% of that crowd. But they sang really loudly. We weren't rubbish as a fan base yesterday. um, But they were really loud, really impressed with them. Absolute pleasure. Uh, Because normally when when we've been in League One and League Two and we've seen teams bring small crowds down, like your Accringtons and your Morehams and stuff, we kind of, you know, we're just longing to play Sunderland and Leeds and such like, but actually um, it reminded me that football's just not about how many fans you got.
1: Um, Yeah. And sadly, I remember the second one. (laughs) Sorry. My favourite bit of yesterday was after the game, Tom, you might have seen this live, and it must have been even more if you did pick it up. Uh, Lankerville took him on a lap of the pitch right and it wasn't just a clap he was talking to him all the way through
4: yeah
1: he sort of guided the new manager around the state and you can almost hear that's like you know that bit's the noisy bit that that's, bit the, there, that's there. the moaning there, bit that, this bit behind us watch yeah, out that's for tom, them, Like that's tom kirk yeah but with his arm around him like we talked about it before but that continuity is i think is really important he will have yeah. some dna that is you Know doing the stuff that is not about the coaching, about all the stuff we talked about in the first half, there's still
0: that's a great observation.
1: Plymouth Argyle DNA steering him, watchably steering him as to what he should be doing.
0: Yeah, and crucially, he doesn't go off in press conferences and claim to be a Janner. He, um, the proof is in the pudding. He really, really is.
1: You suggested anybody in particular there, Archie?
0: No, we'll come on to that later. Um, Tom, we've had a, a, nearly an hour on Ian Foster, but just to um, go back to him quickly, it was a surprise to see him in the dugout, right? He didn't. He said in his Argyle TV interview on the late Friday night that he wouldn't be. Woke up in the morning and changed his mind, allegedly. Well, that's what he said. No reason not to believe him. Uh, interesting to see him there. Funny set of circumstances. We'll probably never see it again. Not even in the building for twenty-four hours. And he's on the touchline, uh, but possibly a blessing, right, Tom? That he's. It's Sutton United at home, bottom of League 2, or second bottom of League 2. It doesn't get much easier, really. It doesn't.
2: Uh, I think he would alert a lot. Um, I, I loved it, by the way, that he went down. He didn't He didn't pick the team. We know that, didn't we? When all the tactical work had been done. But he was still delivering messages from the touchline. Now, actually, even regardless of what your CV says, I think if you've just been parachuted into a club as the as the head coach, so the 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 person that the players report to, I think to assert that authority and that respect, considering a lot of the previous players signed for the previous head coach, is a big uh, one of his big tasks. So I think what he says and what he does and how he communicates and whether he goes good cop or bad cop or bullshy or um or not is. They're big calls early on. I think, bearing in mind some players could be out the door within thirty days, some players could be out the door within six months. First impressions really important here, Archie. So, um, interesting that he went to bed not planning on doing it and then decided to do it. I'm sure you'll have learned a lot, um, mm. and 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 time will tell. We're not obviously going to know to that amount of detail, but um, you know, I I, I admire the um, I admire the fact he was willing to stand out. It seems a bit. <laughs> whether it's important or not, but he's the guy stood out at the edge of the technical area because yep. he was owning it, wasn't he? Because in, in my mind, if I'd been paid to join a football club, manage a home game, which should be an absolute home run against bottom of League Two, there's, it's one of those horrible FA Cup games in there where it can't really go right. You could lose it and be embarrassed or you could be criticized for not winning enough. So I would have possibly took the coward's way out and sat back. Um, so I think we've learned a bit about it. And was it was he introduced by Simon Hallett at the start of the game? I missed it to the, to the crowd. Yes, yes, yeah. he was uh, in the in the, the corner. The... I don't know if that was in the broadcast, but yeah. It uh, normally where um, they read the teams out. The uh, stadium announcer introduced Simon, who introduced mm. uh, Ian Foster to the stadium, and he uh, was told to go and
1: make sure he applauded Devonport end.
2: Interesting. His um. His
0: press conference made for a really interesting watch, I felt. The Argyle TV interview on the Friday night was okay. It was one of those generic, you know, how happy are you to be at your new club? Yeah, I'm thrilled kind of thing. There's only so much you can say. And it had the feel of an interview that was done late at night after a really busy day, which was probably the reality of the situation. Moving to that presser, I found it really, really interesting. He came across probably much better or you saw, let me rephrase that, you saw much more of his personality, I would say, in that press conference. He seemed sharp and witty and interesting, crucially. (laughs) Um, Whether that matters or not, time will tell, but as a fan, as a listener, I enjoyed it. Um, And Mm. it was, yeah, made for a good listen.
2: I uh, Yeah, the the interview he did on joining the club um, wasn't the best. That's not a reflection on him. I just thought, yeah, I don't think he had a lot of places to go with the questioning it's it was obviously a very rushed appointment it was late for whatever reason it went out at night don't know when they recorded it but um y- you know i didn't look at that and think goodness me what have simon and neil and andrew been interviewing for three days are they blind um there was obviously more to it but I, it, yeah like you like you said i took a lot of heart from what he said after observing the players for 90 minutes mm. um, there's obviously a very smart intelligent guy in there so i just didn't really tell anything it was behind a paywall for a which is a bit disappointing for a new manager interview. But then, you know, it, it wasn't up to much. Um, I'd imagine possibly something technical buying, a getting a, you know, Ben mentioned about the release clause. I don't know this. I'm just going off what Ben said, you know, getting, it, it was, it, we knew like Wednesday, Thursday, it was pretty obvious. He was going to get the job, wasn't it? It wasn't complete until late Friday. Um, yeah. So uh, it was probably technical matters holding it up.
0: Yeah. Um, right. Should we move on? Uh, I'll warn you now, this won't be the most positive part of today's pod. Um,
2: <laughs> Why break the habit of a lifetime? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, well.
0: So, Finnazaz, last pod, yeah, what's was the last pod we were on? I think I said it's the most exciting attacking lineup we've ever seen. When I said yeah, that, when I said that, I didn't think um, we'd never see Finnazaz again. I thought, certainly didn't think we'd see um, Morgan Whittington ever again. But, We'll come on to Morgan in a bit. Finaz is gone. Chris, how are you feeling about that one?
1: I'm so tempted just to try and wind you up because <laughs> there's no two opposites can be true at the same time. It's a massive hole in our season. That's not a mixed metaphor. Massive hole in our squad. <laughs> um, he was on playing magnificently, and it's a real shame to lose him on the other hand he's on loan so loan players by definition are at the women disposal of their parent club so maybe we have a bit of a blind spot but we're not always looking over our shoulder thinking i think alex said it actually you know enjoy every moment while we have this because that's the reality I, didn't, so, I don't think
0: Alex said it knowing that he'd be off in twenty four hours.
1: But no, say, his point is that yeah. enjoy yeah. enjoy yeah. people while you've got them, because we are no longer invisible little argyle in League Two who's got a great player that no one sees. Right? Mm. I
0: mean that there's a there's a cruel irony, wasn't it? That it's the same day that we lost Morgan last year. <laughs> so God knows what we're in store for um, the third of January, twenty twenty five. Tom, I guess the point is, have we let, let a potential Argyle great slip through our fingers possibly last summer? And that'll be the point which I think the fans will possibly be chewing on and possibly even the club for quite some time. Because the way he's kicked on, I didn't see it coming. I don't know if the club did, but the way he's kicked on has been incredible. And the fact he's gone for £2.5 million, is the bargain of the century. And that's not me saying we should be paying that money for him because we clearly can't, which is fine. But he's, he's a heck of a lot more than 2.5 million.
2: With Morgan the year before, we couldn't do anything about it. If Cundall was to go, um, can't do anything about it. He's, uh, to my knowledge, it's a loan. I'm not aware that there was a permanent transfer ever discussed and, the, and they call it back. Uh, this happened with, like you say, 12 months to the day with Morgan Whitaker. We loaned him. They called him back said, can we buy him? And they went, no, at the time end of discussion, isn't it? Um, with Finn, yeah, not our player. We don't know what went on in the summer. Um, because that transfer, I think it was one of our first, there was a pod that you and Mark did one of the first ones. Mm. Cause it was, he was courted for a while. Um, and as we've seen in the last sort of six months, secrets aren't kept particularly well at our club, maybe the full detail, but not sort of names and general happenings. um, you know there was I know that the the, the the club admin on X taunted us with you know failing medicals and such like that but there was there was obviously something going on. There was a deal then there wasn't a deal. Um it, if we had passed up on the chance to buy him for a lot less than two point five million, um it'd be good to understand how that happened. Um look if we if it's because we set we're gonna spend X and it was more than X you know um that comes down to how Simon's chosen to run, run the club and you know long may that continue because we know we're sort of gambling speculatively beyond our means as got well us previously um but if it was on a um if it was on a you know this is a bit too much giving the second half of the season he had look i think we can our rough conclusion of that pod you and mark did it solo but i think we all thought the same as did most fans so i'm not going to sit here and think ha ha i told you so we weren't sure whether Finn would make the step up as where we thought Barley and Morgan would. Morgan has. Barley's done well. But um, Finn has definitely exceeded more than Barley has at this level. Um, but it's not our job as fans to make that judgment, isn't it? I would be interested if we're going to get into player trading, which we might because the Morgan-Whitaker um, transfer might make us a loan of money. And it's we've got to find some way of getting more money into our playing budget. I'd be interested to know if there was anybody with it, w- what the decision was within our backroom team, the one who makes the football decisions. Um, am not going to call anybody out individually, but somewhere between Ross Goodwin, Jimmy Dickinson, Neil Juzip, Stephen Schumacher. What the? I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall as to what they thought Finn could be this year because we're very quick to praise where we've got that right. But if you think of some of the transfers we've got wrong, I think we've got more right than we get wrong. But some of the transfers haven't worked out. Um, If we'd had a player for 12 months under our noses, so not just data, not just data from scraping from other people's work, literally under our coach's nose for 12 months. And, you know, Finnaz has gone off to be, at at the point of transfer, he was the 16th highest ranked uh, performer. In in the Opta rankings and division, we're 18th, by the way, or we are at the time of recording. And Morgan and Finn are both inside the top, they're 16 there. So that's that's a bit of an outlier. I'd love to know, and we well, I don't know, and maybe we never will. Um, you know, the, the thinking behind some of those judgments, because again, like like you said, he he took it by storm, and if there was an opportunity to buy him. You know, it's spilt milk, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the decision. It's not a poor decision necessarily, but certainly a poor outcome if we've not bought him, because we could have made that money or kept the player. Um, mm. I'm purely speculating, though, Archie. We'll never yep. know, I don't think. But um, what it probably humanises this team, I, I like the fact that we've got a lot of support for our backroom team and and that we've got to be, you know, you've listened to the fans' forums, got to outsmart other clubs to outperform our budget. But I think sometimes too much credit's given, not saying I'm, I'm not – I'm not criticizing the team, but what they're still human beings who are making a judgment call, yeah, and I think as a mm-hmm. fan base, we've really got to contextualize that when we're looking to our staff to throw us a bone so we can outperform you know what's still the lowest wage budget in the yeah. league. I'm rattling on, but um there's a lot That's of questions right. in that one for me, mate
0: yeah, uh speaking of player trading and cashing in Morgan Whitaker, and it pains me to say it uh, there's. Rumors are gathering online. Who knows, you know, the validity of them. However, it's spreading and it's spreading fast. So Argyle apparently receiving a lot of offers and soon won't be able to turn some of those down. Who knows if it's true or not? However, the last two or three weeks have kind of um, chipped away. Uh, um yeah, well, you, you kind of you're coming becoming numb to it, shall I say? It would be a real sickener if he were to go, Chris, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's an outstanding talent. But I think it's all hypothetical, but if the money is what we would call crazy money, and you look at the long-term vision of the club, I can see some benefits, heartbreaking though it would be. And who knows? Who knows what that deal may or may not include?
0: I mean, crazy money would have to be the cost of relegation plus something to make make it worth it. Would it not? Or is that too simplistic? Well,
2: you get, we might not get relegated, Archie. So, I mean, effectively, if somebody offers you the financial impact of getting relegated, then um, you know you've got a stick or twist situation. We might stay up, but equally, you know, obviously, nobody wants to go down because mm. we've got intentions to come back up within five years. It might not be right away because the so- points, points, points per game to get out of league one at the minute again this year looking ridiculously high um it comes back a little bit to what i was saying in the first part where um we've we've become a little bit sort of reliant on individual players where we haven't been since graham carey if i'm being honest and ruben lamirez you know we were promised it with Mayor, but it never happened we weren't reliant on individuals it was a summer parts thing um and chris you're right this has been great and i i think the Argyle fan base do need to learn to enjoy what we're getting. We don't want to be tourists, but we've got to learn to enjoy a bit more. But when I say enjoy, it's, you know, I want to see Phyllis as Morgan Whitaker. I took the kids at the weekend. Arch, you know, they only know one player, you know, and he wears the number 10 shirt for Plymouth Argyle. Um, I, we can't lose sight of that. Yes, there could be a, there could be a commercial sense to selling him and we've got to make painful decisions. We want to progress as a club um, and be pretty ruthless on that front. um, but the, the, so one of our USP at the moment is we are great fun to watch and we're not as... I, if we if we end up as good to watch without Finnazzas and Morgan Whitaker, we'll have done really, really, really well. I've very much got Simon's statement about Ian Foster in my mind. I don't know this, but are there clues in there in that last statement?
0: Yeah, possibly. I think the point for me is, Mark, that losing Schumacher was always going to be part of the plan. I mean, Schumacher was so... so- sure of it. He warned us himself, didn't he? It was very kind of him three weeks before his departure. He'd be off when the right offer comes. But I don't know if any club can withstand a triple blow of losing Whitaker, manager, and Azaz in in not even a month. I mean, that's a hell of a body blow to withstand. If it were to happen.
4: Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Let's be positive. Um, it's going to take a lot of money, hopefully, for Whittaker to be lured away, you know, it's be, let's, let's have it right, you know. Um, if a club like Spurs came in with um, 20 million and a loan back deal, you'd have to think about it, yeah. But we're going to have to regroup now under the new head coach and expectations um, need to be realistic. It will be, you know, a real – the main thing is to stay in this division. You know, there's no deluded talk from me about a sixth place finish. Hopefully, he can organise our defence and we can stay up by the skin of our teeth. We can do that for sure with a little bit of, um, you know, defensive nous and playing to our strengths on the counter attack. Um, yeah, Morgan Whitaker is key to everything. That's for sure. You saw that yesterday, even against Sutton United.
0: Yeah.
2: Feels absolutely. A, feels a, feels a, a when, not if, Archie, because again, if it's not a if it if it is an if and not a when, that means Morgan's not playing as well. I mean, who wants that?
0: Yeah, no, no absolutely. I think it comes back to that point of can you this was always part of the plan, right? You buy cheap, buy high potential, and hope to develop that into a really huge asset. But my point is, I think surely Argyll didn't envisage it would be six months of having Morgan and then leaving Argyle in January along with <laughs> Finnazas, along with your manager. That can't have been part of any plan. I'm aware that I'll have to adapt to the situation that is. That's a really that's a huge huge setback. I mean, you're reading out those optostats, Tom. What were Finn and Morgan in the top twenty of the championship? Mm. I mean, how many players have we got in the championship? Five hundred, four hundred. That's what's that as a percentage? That's incredible. Well,
2: if it was a, if it was a linear average, we'd have one in the top eighteen, wouldn't we? But obviously, you'd, you're eighteenth for a reason. Um, and if yeah. you think of the money, think of the wage budget. Are we what ten percent of Leicester's or something like that? I mean there's lots of figures bandied around and they vary from year to year, but look on are we're, we're, we're not on the same planet as them are we? So they should have a, a first 11 that beat all of our first 11, but they don't, which is what makes football great. Um, look, yeah. Uh, invest rebuild. How do we stop this happening in the future? We make more money from footballing operations. That means buy a player cheap, sell them, put it back in the playing squad. So one day we're not that place in the food chain. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I feel you're right I, it doesn't feel a great place to you know lose the manager and the two best players i you're right that that's at the um more negative end of possibilities if you were modeling out what could happen this season for sure it comes back yeah to, we we need to be a bit but we we need to be well, we're not good, we need to be better i mean that's such a lazy observation, but i mean it's a fact isn't it we we need to we need to narrow our extremes because at the moment if you take the good bits out of us there's there's not a lot to shout about. I feel like if this had happened at the back end of last year, again, you know, we're we're not small fish in League One, but people might have been looking down for the championship and go, I'll have them, I'll have them, I'll have them. But I'm not sure um, there was are uh, any obvious candidates hmm. to do that with because I thought we were 7, 8, ten, 8, well, no, that's not fair, probably 8 or 9 out of 10 all over the pitch.
0: Yeah, I mean, are there any, Chris, are there any positives? Are there any positives at all? I mean, what gives... Okay, let me rephrase that question. What yeah. gives you What gives you hope going forward? We'll put the Morgan thing to one side because it's pure speculation. So, we're more
1: than halfway through the season. We're in the fourth round of the FA Cup. We've appointed a coach that the more you hear and read is an intelligent coach and, I can't remember the phrase you use, you? but like football all-rounder... Mm. Um, we're currently seven, point, seven points outside of relegation. We're going to have freed up loan spots and someone with access to some of the best talent in the football league, whether they're under twenty-one now or used to be. Um, and some of us are going to be drunk by the time the Huddersfield game starts, watching it in a big group. Like, if you can't be happy with that, you might as well just watch rugby. I feel
2: sorry <laughs> for bringing. I feel sorry for bringing you into the Moanflower. Three games in the Moanflower. Look what's done to him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, well done Chris that was um, fantastic now back to the negativity and bitterness uh, Stephen Schumacher there's been a, an extensive article released in the Telegraph it's behind a paywall um, I, although I did manage to read it somehow I can't, didn't, certainly didn't pay for it uh, not a lot to be learned apart from one quite huge revelation in my eyes maybe it hasn't been a lot made of it on social media so maybe it's purely me Overblowing this. It turns out the approach for Schumacher was made pre Rotherham. And by that, I'm guessing, and he made the decision to take that Rotherham game. So I'm guessing then it's at least Wednesday, Thursday when Argyll are contacted and um, they want to speak to Schumacher. It turns out he then goes up to Stoke on the Saturday evening. Moments after fist pumping the Devonport, he's on a chopper going to Stoke and gives his presentation late Saturday evening. Bear in mind, he releases an interview with Errington, claiming he's done a, a, an interview on Monday. And he's been presented with this opportunity on Monday afternoon. I'm saying this in a calm <laughs> manner. It is making my blood boil that he is, to p- p- keep it polite, he's taken the complete mickey.
1: Isn't it some of it semantics though, isn't it? In the sense that I only was offered it on Monday. It's probably when he was offered the job. <laughs> Yeah. Uh... What else? Right. I mean, let me, firstly, couldn't care less. He's gone, right? Got a new manager. Secondly, a bit like analysing what new managers say when they come in. It's only ever going to be. I'm excited to be here. Can't wait. Great club, great fans. I don't I don't think... I know where you're going. That sounded very critical of you. I get why we will analyse a sentence in an article in The Telegraph. But the reality is, of course, he was spoken to about it earlier than the, than the day it happened. And there's a sort of twisted part of me that's got a grudging respect that he got us a 3-2 win because it might keep us up. Okay, well, put, those it, two points. put, it,
0: put, it, put it like this. It, it adds more... I start, I'm starting to understand why apparently Mark Hughes was, wasn't allowed in the building on Tuesday, why uh, Schumacher wasn't allowed to say goodbye to the players. It adds to this picture that it ended in a, on a very, very sour note him quite literally flying away moments after a game is finished, builds this picture that not a good one of him, if I'm being honest. I can understand why the club was so kind of blunt with him and didn't let him have his goodbyes and kind of just chucked him out the moment he made his feelings clear. Schumacher says, it doesn't look good to me. But maybe it's the harsh reality of football that I need to get used to it.
4: We have to look forward. We we were under no illusions. Talking about the Rotherham game, his response to those assaults on bundu and yeah. ryan hardu that was so um weak and yeah he yeah needed, i did think
0: of you mark yeah. you know
4: he he was he that wasn't right you know as a manager of Plymouth fargo his response wasn't right so his head was also elsewhere at that stage so yeah it's not a surprise we said at the time that um we would be very absolutely naive to think that he hadn't been approached. At a previous date. Good luck to him. Let's move on. Let's forget about Pug and let's uh, really just stay in this um, division. And you know, hopefully, they go down.
0: <laughs> Last um, point on managers leaving with the head held high. Uh, Luke Williams. He left KNOTS County, albeit he's gone. He's jumped two divisions, but he's put out a video. And uh, it's easy to be kind of romantic about this. I, but it struck me as there's a club and a manager who've managed to part ways in a respectful and mature manner. And the fans are not hating him. There's plenty of goodwill left. And that's just not the case with us. But um, you know what? I think that's the last time we ever mentioned his name on this podcast. Uh, is it time for a quiz? <laughs> yeah. You can get on with your quiz. Welcome back to part three and what has been dubbed by the quizmaster himself as possibly the best quiz of the season.
1: Tom Kirk? Was- oh my God, it'll get, it'll be, we'll have sold it before it starts. <laughs> or, or Stoke will have come in and done this quiz.
2: <laughs> Sell it to Blackburn. For You're the Stoke
1: podcast.
2: Cheers, uh, cheers for that arch. Broke the NDA, but never mind. We're holding against you. Guys, we've got a new uh, head coach or m- manager of the first team, which I believe... Still uh, is under the remit of the head coach. So um, I've picked a quiz around the appointments of our first team managers of Plymouth Argyle, but with a twist. Um, I have (laughs) looked at who and when Argyle have appointed managers and on what date. But what I'm going to give you guys is who was uh, number one in the UK singles chart on the day. I'm going to give you the artist and the song. The crossover that everybody's been wanting, Argyle and popular music. And I'm going to ask you to name me the manager that took post of the Plymouth Argyle men's first team on the date that the song was number one in the UK singles charts. Do we do we have an understanding? Billy really Idol. <laughs> no, you name the Other way around, mate
4: other way
2: yeah no, i'm, I'm, I'm gonna name you the song and you can name the Argyle manager so you've got i'll give
4: i'll
1: give you i'll give you credit i don't know how you came up with that maybe you need to get out more it's my only <laughs> comment based on that I, but i'm ready
2: uh, yeah basically think, somebody uh, somebody texts me an hour before going look, we haven't got a quiz and i'm on spotify and i'm done <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right, you know, I think um will do. I think Mark will do well. He strikes as a Radio One kind of guy. So um,
2: anybody alive between nineteen sixty something and two thousand and twenty four is going to do well. Um, I've not done. I've, I've. It's not all the managers. We've had a lot of managers, guys. By the way, it must be up, right. uh, in the upper percentiles. Um, I've tried to pick ones that coincide with worldwide hits because I'm conscious <laughs> that we've got a lot of listeners in overseas territories. So um, what we're going to do is I'm going to pick. Mm, eight, nine, ten, something like that. Um, I want you to shout out Argyle. Actually, I want you to shout Tmar. Yes. So I want you to shout Tmar. That's the buzzer. When you shout Tmar, I'm going to come to you, and then I'm going to ask you to give me the answer. Okay. If you get it wrong, you're out, and then I'm going to pass it around to the other two. But that's the effectively of the buzzer. Um, and whoever gets you know, get the point. Can it's I normal. do how Mosey? I
4: never liked Tmar. No, Timar. Okay.
2: Actually no no, I like that. Chris, you gonna be T Mark Mark's gonna be Harmozy, Buzaki for Archie. Okay, Pizaki.
0: I'll take that as a compliment.
2: There we go. Let's buzz in when we think we know the manager. Okay, and I'm gonna give you a point. If you get it right. Start the music. Okay. We're gonna start with we're gonna start with Shakespeare's sister. And their UK number one single, "Stay." Anybody remember the song? Archie, remember the yeah. song? No. It's
1: does.
2: The okay. fact, the
1: Mark fact Mark, that you've, fact, the fact that you've asked. T. Team T. Mark T. Mark oh. Warnock.
2: Okay, so we've got the format, Chris. Nicely played. Wrong answer. <laughs> Mark or Archie, if you want to buzz in. I never
4: How, Mosey, you know. How Mosey? How yeah, Mosey? Dave, Dave Smith.
2: Right, I can see how it's working. Incorrect, Arch. I have got to Throw one. in an Argyle manager in, in the mix of the of that song. Brilliant. I've
0: never Sister heard of the Day. song. If it could have we had the rights to these songs, then uh, that would help. Um, need a bit more swaz. I, I don't know, you have to pass.
2: Uh, you can't, just name me an Argyle manager. Uh, Derek Adams. Okay, no. It was at 1992, Shakespeare's Sister's Day. You're not going to get any points for it, but anybody want to have a hazard of guess? Shilton, yes, to the man in Miami, Shilton will have got you the point there, no point for anyone, let's keep it moving, okay, YMCA, (laughs) by the village people, was the UK number one hit single when he became the Argyle manager, Buzaki, over in Leipzig, yes Archie?
0: YMCA, now I know that one, it's my favourite song.
2: I'm going to no. bu- buzz you out if you're not going to give me an answer. Oh, uh, M- Warnock.
1: Wrong. Mark. Tony Waiters. Wrong. Miami. Oh, 70s. Alison.
3: Ooh,
2: okay. All good. Some good answers in there, but the answer is Bobby Saxton. Jeez. Bobby Saxton. Early 80s, that was. The... In 1979. Oh, just to be quiet,
1: off. I think, did you buzz in because you recognized the name of YMCA by the village people? I think you did. Didn't you? Like, yeah, oh, I don't know go. that one. Possibly. Any idea who the <laughs> manager was? No. <laughs> He's been <laughs> doing do it before. <laughs> I, <didn't, laughs> uh, I didn't know it was so obvious. All right. Okay. Let's Next go. one.
2: We're going to go with Adam and the Ants and stand and deliver.
1: Ooh. 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 Ooh.
2: Team oh, R. R. Team Timar in Miami. Oh. Yeah.
1: Was it Timar? Yeah? Dave Smith. Wrong. Oh. Munich.
4: Bobby Monker how mostly I've said it before.
2: Bobby Monker Mark Lovell getting the first point, whilst everybody was oh, yeah. still revving. Up. A, there's an electric guitar behind you. Can you play the songs on it? That is not an electric guitar. Obviously, does not work well on radio. But that is a ukulele. Well, if it's not if <laughs> it's it's a, a ukulele, it's a ukulele. <laughs> it's a ukulele. Yeah, it's the world's biggest it's ukulele. Great radio, by the way, talking about songs. Right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, could you play the? Oh, no, maybe not. Next no, time. No, no, nobody wants that. Okay. Um, okay, we're going to go with "Don'tcha." Now, anybody remembers this song? Oh, Don't oh. Ya Wish your girlfriend was hot like me.
4: Uh, Bzaky,
2: Paul, St- Paul Okay, Archie, that's wrong. Oh, <sighs>
4: Archie.
2: Yes, Munich. Derek. No. Adams. No, far too recent. Anything for Miami? Warnock. No, no, too Oh, much it's the it's, it's before Sturrock, isn't it? Who are you going for, Archie? You're not going to get your points by interest, in there. Hodges. No, it's Tony Pulis. No, two thousand six. Chart copper from the Pussycat Dolls coincided with the appointment.
4: Tony I Pulis. Think I've um, clocked Chris's pol- uh, policy. Just say Warnock for everything.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought I thought that was earlier than let's that. Let's see if
1: that let's see if that pays off. They opens fit t bar Warner.
2: <laughs> okay, next one. Um, one Direction. Who remembers One Direction? They were big.
1: Okay. In 2011, with their big
2: hits, What Makes You Beautiful, coincided with the appointment of whom?
4: You just gave a Hal- year, Tom. How Hal- 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 Mosey? Buzaki. How heard Halmosi
2: before Buzaki. Jesus. Yes, Halmosi. Yes,
4: he got his answer. That's
2: Hal- buzzing. Idiot. Well, nope. No, I think Archie gave the answer. <laughs> Carl Fletcher. Yes, Archie. Yes, it is. Carl Fletcher. Yeah, I did give the year. I felt we needed it. Nice. Thought the songs were clue enough, but uh, yeah. clearly, clearly this isn't uh, Pop Master. Ian Holloway.
0: You clearly don't know your one D.
4: No, sorry.
2: Okay, guys. Next one. We're going for Culture, Culture Club and their number one hit. I'm Chameleon. Oh. Dave yes. Smith. It's not Dave Smith I'm afraid oh well. the confidence yeah. Palmer Chameleon Culture Club come on, come on. number one when whom was appointed to the manager of Argyle's men's first team some tension building here between Leipzig and Miami the pain on Chris's face
1: well, I can only remember one manager from the 80s go for it well they've already had it. Oh, you've already had it. okay go on Arch I'm out I don't know is it not you said Dave Smith, right? So it's not, it's Dave, not, Smith. One not.
2: Dave Smith. Is that, is that all you can remember? Who was the little son?
1: orange man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need a name. Mark, who was the little orange man? After Smith?
4: What you mean? Orange?
1: or he's You're like quite orange. orange. The manager. Like fake tan orange. Not like an elderly Ben White. If anyone's been watching the fake town on ben can White. We, can we cut the uh, representation about the
2: quality of the quiz out? Is that just just out of just out of interest? Arch is that editable? Uh, I'm like, going to close this off. The uh, the, uh, the
0: answer was Johnny Hoare. 1983.
2: Oh, he's, he's, so he, here. he's there. He's
4: there.
2: Every- he's everywhere. <laughs> Johnny Hoare, manager uh, on our cut run, of course. Okay, uh, we're going to go a bit more recent. Uh, a song called "Bleeding Love." Anybody knows that? It was a worldwide hit for a singer. I've oh, got a good Leo. story
1: about
2: that. Leona Lewis. I'm dying to hear it.
0: Oh, okay. Right. Let me...
1: Leona Lewis. Leona Lewis. Adams. Team R Adams. Uh,
2: no, not correct. Oh. Dying for that story. We'll put it on at the oh. end and then cut it out if need be.
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs> yes, right. I'm thinking Buzaki, by the way. Okay. It's either possibly Sturrock second time round. I don't know if we if that's there's two points for Sturrock, or it's after the next one after Sturrock. Does Mariner count?
2: Is it Mariner with the with the manager? Yeah, what are you going for Arch?
0: Oh crikey! So it's either 2008 or late 2009 was Mariner, wasn't he?
2: Have you buzzed in, by the way? Yeah, is, exactly. He, he's got all the. I want, I want, I want an answer. Just Massive, I can mate. see I can see Leona on the, the Five, stage. Four, three, two. One. Um, <laughs> i do um, right, right. name Paul Mariner. Paul Mariner. Yeah, you're wrong.
1: Paul How those... <laughs> For those listening as well, Archie's also for the first time holding his mic like he's on stage. <laughs> he's really he's like I'm on like this. Normally on the desk. So, so my my father, God rest his soul, I remember catching him doing the washing up and he was saying, I'm singing that song I'm singing that song about doing the washing up This is I swear to God cross my heart this is a true story what song about doing the washing up he was singing there going deep cleaning deep deep cleaning deep cleaning I promise
2: that's not made up yeah, Chris was worth it just for that story there we go we definitely didn't conspire this to shoot on that story in the way thank you Chris that was a lovely lovely uh, <laughs> lovely moment <laughs> um okay here we go we got a couple of, we're going to join who, 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 who was
0: who was, Le- who was leona lewison was it peter reed or paul
2: starrett the paul, the paul starrett paul Oh, two, to bleep, bleep that out um two more uh to go and they're both wham songs
1: so. team up no, no, no,
2: whoa, 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 whoa. let's wait for the song very 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 important we've got to time it so the first one is freedom the wham song not the george michael freedom uh was number one with whom was a mosey. Yes, go to music. Ken Brown. It's not, I'm afraid.
1: T Mar
2: This That's not. that's not paying off, Chris. I must say Archie
1: Ken, Ken, Ken Brown, by the way, is the orange person that I was trying to think of. No
2: idea. Arch, Arch. Try and try and try and think of managers within an era. Try and place the song roughly. You know, a decade. I'm aware how the meant... logic of this quiz works, Tom. I, 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 <laughs> a name that's landed around this 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 room quite a lot in the last ten minutes.
0: I'm so annoyed at Leona Lewis. I'm so close.
4: Chris, just to digress, I thought you meant orange. I thought you meant something like Ian Paisley and stuff like that, that sort of reference. But that was... <laughs> no,
1: no, no. like physically <laughs> bit your
4: Incorrect. yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let's... Wrap
2: up Looking forward to Ben's retweets. Go on, Ark. Three, two. I, I don't I'm out.
4: One.
2: Cider Man. Dave, Dave Smith. Smith oh, come on. 1984. Win I won. needed to keep on three,
4: saying
2: that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, last one, guys. Uh, last Christmas by Wham. Last Christmas by Wham reached. The UK number one in the singles charts. But who was appointed manager while it was number one?
1: No idea. Um, then, I, then I'll just Google image searching Ken Brown.
4: <laughs> Nobody want to buzz in? Al Ken Brown.
2: Nope. Border. Nope, oh. not buzzing in, but I'm guessing that's where you're going. This is a trick question.
4: Well, Oh, oh I reckon... hang on. It was probably
1: number hang one in on. eighty-five. Hang on, right? hang on, hang on, hang on. It's not our current manager, is it? it Who's going to buzz in? Yeah,
4: me. Team
2: up for that name. Ian Foster. Zachy Foster. Ian Well, I'm not really sure what to do with that. Because no, wrong. I, 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 the Because well, Chris buzzed in and uh, Archie got it. Yeah, just the background to it. Last Christmas never made number one in nineteen eighty-four. <laughs> Band Aid did, and it's number Jesus. one currently.
1: Clever um, question. Clever
2: question. Very clever. Yeah, I'd no idea who got it. If Ar- Archie, I'm gonna give it to you, which means we have a winner of the quiz. Have I won again? Is that two? Yeah, seven? two one nil. So I won the Swaz
0: quiz and I've won this. I need to I'm getting too big for this pod.
1: <laughs> well look, uh I'll go be knocking on your door soon, Arch. <laughs> 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 coming in, coming in with a 20 million offer. <laughs> Don't loan us back
2: until we get relegated. There we go, guys. Undoubtedly, the Pilgrim's podcast greatest quiz. Archie, your prize for winning is editing the thing. Um, (laughs) You have my very best wishes.
0: Thanks, guys. That was a a lot of fun. I'm feeling much better now than I was uh, uh, 10, 15 minutes ago. (sighs) What a pod. Tom, thank you so much. Real pleasure. Cheers, mate. Uh, um, Excited for Ian Foster. Chris? Pleasure as always. Take take care next week. Go for them. Go for. <laughs> Often mixed up with Argyle. Mark, over and out.
4: Absolutely, I've just uh, broken my evergreen pen in the excitement of the quiz. Oh so my god! it's, a, it's a portent. Gutted.
0: All right, uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be back with you very soon.